and we are live on Berry Flow Upstream number 40. Here with the cast, we've got Alex Bass, Brandon Orr, editor-in-chief of Crackberry.com, Mr. Chris Blaze, as many like to call him. And as well, we have a special guest. He's stayed up early tonight to come on air with us on Upstream. Stephen, how are you doing? Yes, I'm fine. A little bit tired, but I'm fine. It's 1 a.m., Crazy night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate having you on. Uh, what is your website? Who are you supporting right now? Is it Adix or Blackberry, or do you call it Blackberry 10 FR? Uh, so first of all, I want to thank you, James, for your invitation, and mm -hmm. I'm really proud to be here with you. Uh, so as you maybe know or not, I'm leading a French website about, about BlackBerry, especially BlackBerry 10, uh, which is called Addicta BlackBerry in French. And uh, we are very, very happy to work for this website and share our passion for this brand. Absolutely. I think I, I've, I've seen some of you guys' <laughs> podcasts, actually. And they seem to have a lot of uh, viewers, so it's very, very cool to see. You guys have a lot of support over there in, in that nation. It's kind of awesome. Yes, very awesome to see, uh, not only in France, but also in Africa or in Canada, to have people really read us, uh, comment, uh, go on our forum, watch our video. It's very uh, happy to see uh, this. Uh, and... Uh, it's uh, give you uh, the the motivation to continue and write about BlackBerry. Talk about <laughs> especially sometimes you know it feels like the, the the whole kind of scope of everything is narrowing. So at least there is still, still some passion out there. So it's very good to see. I, I want to get started, and this is going to be kind of over in your neck of the woods. Talking about Vodafone UK, they're bringing the BlackBerry Leap to business users. Oh, this is very interesting that they came out one early and said that this is going to be a device specifically geared toward those business users. Users, uh, What do you guys think about it, like a corporate fleet type of device at that price point? I still want to see this kind of available for consumers, but it seems like it is going to be one of those really, really focused devices. I know Chen was very adamant on what this device was for. Yeah, a lot of people are arguing like, oh, it should be sub 200, it should be too lower than 250 at least, look at the Z30, the Z30 off contract is 270 now, like whatever. Um, realistically, at the end of the day, the Z30, BlackBerry wasn't making money on it, especially at these prices, so comparing the Z30 to the Leap isn't really a good thing to do, um, because first of all, when the Z30 is gone, then it's gone, they're not making any more. Um, but they actually need to make money on the Leap, and it is so focused on, they want it to be a business phone. They don't want, it's not a consumer phone. People need to understand BlackBerry has reasons of doing what they're doing, and they're focusing on business security, and this phone is literally meant for business. So the pricing is completely fine, 275 It'll probably drop down, you know, sub 250 eventually or something other. That's a very reasonable price for what you're getting to be on the secure BlackBerry 10 ecosystem and you know, software and, and QNX and everything. So I think I think it's fine for its purpose, but consumers, the people who are getting mad are consumers, but it's not a phone for you. Um, that's like people complain about the Z3, for example. I just don't understand why they wouldn't, you know, make it available at least, like not, not marketed towards the consumers, but I mean, if someone comes into a store 
uh, a Vodafone store. You tell me they're going to deny that sale. <laughs> if someone says they want to have a leap, it looks like that's going to be the case, and I just don't understand why why they would just shut down that channel. It, it's obviously it could probably be Vodafone um, work there shutting down that channel. They kind of just want to build up that market there, that business market. But I just to me it doesn't make sense why you would just shut down that whole channel there, p potentially selling a device. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I just found it funny that it actually, like, the information mirrored exactly what I said on the last podcast. I was like, yeah, you'll be able to get it in the UK on one carrier, but only one <laughs> of accounts. And that was exactly what was announced. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, think, I think they're making business decisions based off watching this, I, honestly. They come down to it. They're like, hmm, that's not a bad idea, Blaze. <laughs> a bit silly. I mean, you know, realistically, again, it's not a device for consumers. And even John Chen pitched it that way, so you know I can I can sort of understand it. However, at the same time, we're only talking about one carrier out of how many carriers in the world. You know, there's many other other carriers who could potentially pick up the device and readily sell it to you just because you simply want it. So yeah, they they might have not even wanted to to stock it for instance, and maybe BlackBerry said, well, at least off, like, this is supposed to be a business market phone, at least offer it to businesses. Like, it might have been an agreement that they didn't even want it in their stores, so this is, like, the best thing BlackBerry could get out of it, maybe, too. Yeah. And realistically, for from from a carrier perspective, in terms of how devices sell, you know, they, they could be essentially, you know, they didn't necessarily order, like, 10,000 of them yeah. you have on hand. They're just basically placing orders for the devices as they receive them, and then, you know, they just ship them out. Like, Sprint used to do that with the Q10 when it initially launched. Like, you couldn't actually buy a Q10 in a Sprint store. It was all based off of the orders. If you really wanted one, you walked into a Sprint store, you placed your order for one, and they shipped it out to you. That way, they got to maintain lower inventory levels, and it didn't cost them anything. They were still able to provide the device without having, you know, massive inventory. Yeah, and that's the thing that kind of, that's the thing that's questionable about this is, is why wouldn't they just provide that as an option? If somebody wants to go into the store and place that order, it's up to them if they want to wait longer to get it, but at least they make the sale like that. I just, like I said, yeah. I don't know. I, I just think it, I, I get I get the whole discussion. I just think that's kind of a, it's a, it's a simple point because the way that the UK works, you can buy devices pretty much unlocked anyways. Yeah. You know, at some point in time, some some third-party retailer is going to pick up these devices and be able to go ahead and order them. So You'll be able to pick one up if you really want to pick one up. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And who knows? It might be something that initially opens up where they allow the enterprises and corporates to buy the device just for business purposes, and maybe later on, in a, in a, later in the cycle, they'll they'll offer it in stores via pickup or whatever. Stephen, do you think in your region over there that the Leap is going to do well, especially at that price point that is coming in, kind of like a mid-range uh, device? How, how do you think it will do? Um, I'm very very. I don't really think the, the Leap will be a, a very good success because of his pricing, and uh, when we compare it to the Z30, uh, his specs are not really good, and, uh, but uh, it's, um, it's some kind of good project. To, to talk about the distribution, 
Yes, I think it's a it's a very important problem for BlackBerry. It's a shame to see uh, uh, carriers like the iPhone to sell the product only for for business. With this, in fact, with carriers like Quick Telecom, uh, which sell uh, the classic and the passport only for business consumers, and uh, people were very disappointed. But if you really want to buy BlackBerry, you have uh, shopblackberry.com, and you can buy it on Amazon or other reseller like this. So at least you guys have those options, right? I know that. What are some of the key regions for Shop Blackberry? I know they do Dubai, France, Germany, C Canada, and the U.S. Those are the main ones, right? I don't think they extend beyond that with Shop Blackberry as of yet. Do they cover Africa at all? I don't believe they do. No. No. So Africa's not covered. So they have to go to the carriers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, maybe they can expand they that. Well, I definitely hope the Leaf does well. I think it's one of those devices that I'm actually kind of interested in. I, I've been playing with my Z30 more and more, and there's something about the form factor. BB10 was just so built for all-touch, in my opinion. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it works very well on the Passport, which is also kind of an all-touch device as well, uh, considering the touch-enabled keyboard. But I'm hoping the Leap does well, and I hope the businesses are actually appreciative of it when it comes. We've had a lot of chatter in the community about this open SSL freak vulnerability and how it affects... Basically everything in BlackBerry's portfolio in terms of software, fucking blend, bez, devices, and, and you know, Blaze had also kind of mentioned before the stream that this has been something that's rather malignant, right? It's been here in, in a vulnerability for years, and it's just now coming to light. And ultimately, no one's really been affected by it as of yet. So, kind of like the leap, one of those things that is what it is. BlackBerry's already kind of pushing out a patch for it. Uh, do you think right that the 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 OS being subject to carrier availability? is going to kind of tarnish their availability to actually patch these things. Because Apple, you know, they got kind of lucky. 8.2 rolled out right as they were able to patch this OS. So they had an OS already coming out, basically. And BlackBerry now had to kind of go work backwards because they just released 10.3.1 and now have to patch it. Yeah, that's what I don't like. It, it's like they already have a fix for it, and it's already going through a carrier, but it's a carrier. I don't know where it downloaded from, but getting it from through Sitchatse, it was actually through a carrier. So they've actually pushed the fix out for carriers. Then you have these people writing articles that BlackBerry is not secure and blah, 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 blah. But at this point, it's not Sitchatse, whatever. <laughs> um, it's not <laughs> BlackBerry's fault. It's At this point, it's like Verizon and AT&T. They're so slow because they... They need to refine it and make sure everything is okay, then push it out. But it's it's just screwed up that it's going to end up hurting BlackBerry at the end of the day, and they don't have any control over it. It's just kind of frustrating. I don't know. I don't know. I think people just take it too far anyways. I mean, yeah. you know. As, it's not a big deal. As you said, the update is already on devices. Those who, you know, enjoy installing links and stuff like that, and even official OS is like it. The update is out there for BlackBerry Z30 officially. Um, you know, it was spread across a bunch of carriers already. Um, Austria, UK, Canada, the US. Um, God knows how many by now as well. But additionally, if you're really that concerned about it, the operating system is there available for installation. You know, you just have to go ahead and update it. Uh, would I like to see it pushed out to everybody all at once? And, Nobody has to worry about it. Nobody has to complain about it. Absolutely, but this is not how it works. And 
you know, like James said, I was talking about it before we hopped on the podcast. I was never affected by this issue. Like, I mean, you know, I, I had no problem with it. You know, nobody was robbing my bank accounts and my web pages weren't being stolen or anything like that previously. So I'm not necessarily too worried about in how long it actually takes to get it out there because, you know, I'm not affected by it anyways. Yes, it's a problem. I'm not saying it's not a problem. I'm just saying that I had no issues with it before. It existed previously, and I was never prone to any effects from it. So, you know, yeah, nothing will come eventually. Yeah, I think BlackBerry is going to get a lot of flack for this, just for this, for the sake of you know, BlackBerry's really been tooting their own horn uh, for the past couple of months, saying that they're the most secure option. And although this this type of attack, it's a man in the middle attack, so it means you have to be on the same network, and you know the scenario has to line up just right for it to work, and and and, and have and exploit that vulnerability. But I think it's just the I think personally the media is just it's not know, only BlackBerry being affected by this. Well, and that's the thing, it's not the media's making it sound like they are though. It's not only BlackBerry, but the thing is that you have to realize that BlackBerry's the the top of the food chain when it comes to security, so. It's going to be, like for instance, Black Phone. That phone had a security vulnerability, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, you know, there wasn't like hundreds of articles about the Black Phone being, um, you know, hacked. But it, when it comes to BlackBerry, because they do make a point of, and they do prove that they are the most secure um, solution out there, they're going to have, you know, more of a, more flack against them for it. But hey, we'll get an update for BlackBerry Blend eventually. <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard way to get an update, but we'll get an update because that's on the list of affected services. So. Bug fixes and performance improvements. Yeah. The standard copy and paste change log. But hey, I, I'm excited for it. Uh, the OS is already out. Have any of you guys loaded it up? I personally have not loaded it up yet. Yep. I'm just so, so lazy in that regard. I'm still on one of the older ones. Uh, Steven, have you loaded it on your Q10? The twenty, the twenty-five fifty. No, we just received it on some Z30 in France, mm -hmm. but nothing on Q10, Q5, Z10, uh, Passport. Some classic received this uh, this year date, but uh, for carrier validation. <laughs> yeah, still waiting in that regard. What about you, Alex? Have you loaded up on any of your devices? Yeah, I mean it's on my Z30. There's, it's not really. You know, it, it feels quick, but, you know, every kind of time that you upgrade, it seems like it's quick, and everyone claims, oh, it's ten times faster than the other version. Um, but Android, you know, Android apps seems to be running fine. Yeah, <laughs> Android apps seem to be running fine. Everything seems to be running fine. The only problem that I've had for kind of a while now is I'm missing the or, um, mobile or data management. There's data management within settings, and it's just missing. And it, apparently a few people have been experiencing it, and especially people on Verizon seem to be experiencing it, and then people are saying, well, maybe Verizon's trying to remove it so people go over their data, and then they it's just this whole conspiracy, which isn't true. But um, I don't know how to get it back. I tried sideloading uh, the settings bar file from an older version that worked on it. I just know I had it one day. It's showing up in my search menu, and it's not in my settings, though, which is very weird. So are you able to access it through the search? When I click it through the search, it just opens up settings. It acts like it's about to open it up, but it just opens settings. 
Uh, and it's not in the settings to actually no. invoke from there. That's very Yeah, what were you saying, Chris? And you said that it's, it's... You updated you updated to the leak. Like, you didn't actually get an OTA from Verizon or anything, did you? No, I did. Um, I've just been using Sechese. I don't know what you want to call it. Sechese. Uh, <laughs> I've just been using that for the past, like, four or five leaks. And I definitely had it working on one of the leaks. Like, I, I set up data management, and I was using it. And then I just realized that one of the leaks, it was just gone. And now everything moving forward is just gone. So, maybe just a random bug that I'm experiencing. I loaded it up on all the devices that I have. I haven't had any issues with it. Yeah. I mainly, of course, use the passport. And I still have the data management tools. Yes, I said, freak fix is there. Yeah. It works fine. Android apps load quick, so... Uh, oh, and here's the the other thing that I realized is that you know how people were complaining about the notification, the volume of the notifications. Yeah. Usually, I honestly didn't notice it. However, after I loaded two five five eight, I noticed it then because my notifications were freaking loud after. Exactly. Wow. I that was the same thing that because I essentially have my SMSs almost muted because I'm part of a group SMS that no one will let me leave. <laughs> so all of a sudden when I started hearing these messages that I normally don't hear, I'm like, all right, the volume's definitely up. And then I start going to type. Even the haptic feedback that that noise that it makes that yeah. was louder than normal too. I just turn everything down. So yeah. I don't know if they just like bumped up the speakers or what, but. Yeah, I don't know maybe they'll maybe they'll have fixed areas is qualm where the aux out wasn't loud for him. So yeah. we'll have to see how maybe we'll get him on that shortly here. Glad that the fix is available for OpenSSL so people that may have been potentially affected by a man in the middle attack can actually <laughs> have their uh, their comfort. I'm sure there's many more fixes in there, obviously, because yeah. you know that's part of the reason as to why it, it it's appearing anyhow. Uh, because the it you know solves some of the issues that were problematic with the initial 10.3.1 update for everybody else. So there's probably a lot more fixes in there. I know people have been going on the on the forums and picking out all the individual bugs, but you know, there's definitely more in there than just the SSL fix. So if you haven't updated to it, you should probably give it a go and see how it works out for you, especially now that the autoloaders are all of there. Download one click them. That's my favorite way to load OSs these days. It really is. Right. I, and it's easier to pronounce autoloader. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so about a week from next, this coming Friday, actually, I believe, uh, next Friday, we're going to be able to uh, speak on BlackBerry's earnings. And it's actually end of year and fourth quarter results. Lots going into this. We know Goldman Sachs was kind of, uh, they, they put that BlackBerry was not going to be able to hit their 500 million software target and that kind of dropped the stock. I think it was like 8%. Uh, interest, interesting. You think that on this earnings report, we're actually going to get some solid numbers in terms of the, you know some of the volume on devices? Even if their projections are always just better than expected or great, you know? They never get too specific. I wonder if maybe at the investor meeting afterwards, we might get a little bit of insight into like how the device business is doing. Not necessarily numbers, but I'd like to know if they're at least hitting their own targets. You know, they talked about 10 million devices. I, I'm just interested to know. What do you guys think they'll talk about? I think they'll talk about where they are, you know, in terms of profitability and everything like that. But I think I think the days of 
getting actual numbers out of BlackBerry are done. Like, I know everybody wants it. Everybody keeps asking for it. They're like, well, how many devices were sold? How many passports were sold? I think those days are done. You're not you're not going to get those numbers anymore. Almost like um, almost like their subscriber base numbers. You're not going to go ahead and, and give them anymore. I mean, obviously, those people who specifically need access to it will be able to go ahead and access it. But, but as a public traded company, don't they have to give data about how they're doing? Like that's part of being a public traded company. They well, uh, the way I view it is that they can give data on what the revenue is on handsets sold. And I mean, it, it might work in their advantage if they're making, as we've heard rumors, that they're making higher margins on devices. So even if they do sell fewer devices, but the profit on those devices actually increases, it might actually be a good idea to include the total number of devices sold and then relate that to increased uh, profitability on devices. So it really comes down to whether they are seeing those higher margins on devices. But I think the, the main point of view for these earnings reports uh, is gonna see is gonna be revolving around that shift towards the the software, software sales, yeah. which is what Goldman Sachs was predicting would be uh, lower than than what the market is expecting. And to be honest, uh, the past few earnings reports, BlackBerry has thrown a curveball and it, one surprise area of the earnings each time, but they they have um, missed on on a number of you know consensus uh, numbers, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. I'd like to see them meet those numbers. If they meet numbers, it'll be really good for the stock. If they just meet yeah. it, it was kind of funny because I watched a video that uh, I don't remember what site being on or something or other, and it was uh, Prime Watson versus Goldman Sachs. So right after Goldman Sachs went and started saying all this crap about BlackBerry and, and saying moved it from a hold to a sell or whatever he did, he downgraded it, and that's when the stock dropped. Then it was kind of like, well, there was Goldman Sachs saying this, and then they interviewed Prem Watsa to see what he had to say about it, which obviously it's kind of a weird thing because he he's an investor, a very high you know uh, stakeholder in the company, but he said, I'm you know we're more excited than ever that the path that BlackBerry is going, and they have faith that you know it's it's about IoT, so the fact that BlackBerry will be integrated into everything in the future, there's so much more upside than just talking about you know, where they're at right now or whatever. So it's like the upside potential of BlackBerry is higher than it could have, like, ever been. Um, and that's what Prem is really pushing towards. So I'm assuming this earnings call might not be the best. Uh, but really, BlackBerry, we're not talking about that. We're trying to get them past the, from, like, being dead. And they're past that. And then they have upside potential coming. But people need to start integrating IoT into things. Refrigerators that have, you know, smart chips inside them with, that do things and make them connected, household homes connected. That's when BlackBerry is going to start, you know, profiting from this kind of stuff. That running BlackBerry ten. <laughs> we'll get there. Hey, my my refrigerator is very offended that you called it non-productive. <laughs> Can you imagine we have techie smart chips inside of our like laundry machines and things? Oh my God. <laughs> the, way, the, the way I view BlackBerry earnings reports these days is that it's really there's there's two groups of people that are really looking at these earnings reports. You're looking at the people who are looking for short term yep. uh, short term profitability, and I think those people are going to be let down um, at this earnings report. But I do think um, that what we've seen in the past few earnings reports, and what I think we'll see in this earnings report, is that there is quite a bit of substance. Um, 
for a long hold shareholder, someone who who foresees holding the share over a longer period of time instead of you know a few months. Yeah, I mean it's bulls and bears. It's literally what the stock is is meant for: long-term holders and short-term holders. And there's always going to be someone fighting to try and get people to immediately sell short-term just so they could buy it up. Like there's there's a constant game going on. Um, well, but that's just that's it's for one day. I mean that's all that you really need to have a look outlook on it. You can see who is basically Ford Library, who is Ford Library. Like you can yeah. see people who automatically just want to buy it. Short sell it, and then that's it. And then you you can see the ones that are there for the long term because they yeah. see the larger picture. Yep. To, toward that end as well, I think uh, Canso Investment in Canada actually converted their, I think it was three hundred million in debt, and they brought that over into shares. So yeah. there's definitely kind of a groundswell there for BlackBerry support. I think they're going to be able to hit the numbers. I think there's going to be a little bit more upside in revenue because of hardware, which is going to be a surprise, and they may fall a little bit short on the on the actual software side. But it will balance out, and I think overall that's that's what really is going to sh show well for the company that Chen is stabilizing it on all sides. He's literally creating a software business, right, and expanding it, trying to double it in size and volume and revenue. So definitely interesting as they kind of push that forward. I'm, I'm hoping the quarterly results next Friday are are positive for them. Here's I'm sure thing. Alex, as an investor, wants to see some upside. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, from my point of view, like as not an investor, just an individual who cares about the BlackBerry services, it doesn't matter what they report. At this point in time, it doesn't matter what they report because, as we said, it's a long-term goal that they have as a company, and they're acting on it. Like We can see that. Chen said months ago that he was switching over and making everything a part of his ecosystem, and we're watching all of that unfold month by month by month. And when it comes to analysts and stock watchers and investors and so on and so forth, I've come to the conclusion personally that it doesn't matter what BlackBerry reports at this point in time because no matter what, there's always going to be those bulls and there's always going to be those bears. Some people will take the information that BlackBerry has and they will say, okay, they're absolutely on the right track. This is the long-term strategy. We can see a future here. And then you're going to have the ones that have always been beating the same old drum over and over and over who will insist upon looking at the information and just simply saying, yeah, BlackBerry's dead. They're done. Yeah, like BlackBerry is going back into the tablet game. That's yeah. not true whatsoever, but that was some of like the titles that people were putting on their posts. It's like, are you insane? This is... Yeah. And this is a... It comes down... I thought they were getting back into the tablet game. <laughs> it comes down to what side, what side do you want to believe? Do you want to believe the people who are extruding information and saying that BlackBerry is dead, or do you want to believe the people that are... You know, saying that BlackBerry has a future, or do you just want to form your own opinion based on the information that's provided? Personally, awesome. I, don't listen, yeah. I don't listen to either sides. I take the information and I see that company, that BlackBerry is still yeah. alive. They're still producing handsets, big partnerships, products. They're still announcing yeah. partnerships. You know, BlackBerry has a lot going on. <laughs> For a company that was supposedly dead like four years ago. And let's not forget, even if they do meet um, like uh, the market you know, consensus on what everybody expects them to earn, it, it doesn't necessarily mean the stock is going to go up either because they're still not in the uh, 
they're not in the clear if that's the case still. So you're still going to have the naysayers who are going to be like, oh, they met targets this time, but we'll see how long that lasts. So, I mean, you really just, like you said, Blaze, you got to look at the long term and see if you think, um, you, you if you see the value in the company through the long term based on what the numbers are telling you and based on what you see the company doing right now. Yeah, and it, the stock market is just like a crapshoot in general. It was, I think... Is actually kind of interesting. Box, you know, like Box.com, they just had an IPO recently, and their numbers were really good for what they were claiming. So essentially, there were rumors of what the numbers were going to be, and their numbers were much better than that. But there was like a typo in the numbers where they thought it was going to be. So they released the numbers, and they appeared to be a lot lower than they were expecting, and the stock just got pummeled. And they're like, "Oh crap! No, like you guys screwed up." And they fixed it out. But you're talking about stock that went from $27 down to $16 back up to 20 and like just the yeah. stock market got through over a typo that happened. It was like, oh my God. A, a lot of tech companies, even if they have some decent earnings reports, will often see their stock go down because a lot of people, a lot of these short-term investors are looking for that home run hit that you know everybody will be like, oh, I got to buy the stock, right? It's, it's a gamble in that sense. I hate the stock market, to be honest with you. I hate, I, I hate the news about it because it's just, it, to me, as someone who isn't invested in anything, I just look at it and I'm like, really? Yeah. Why are you guys all so crazy? <laughs> I'm like, I just don't understand it. I just don't, I can't, no. <laughs> it's like a bunny with a carrot in front of its face. That's how I look at it, really. <laughs> But so the, we have the quarterly results next Friday. I wanted to talk about BBM because BBM is one of those things all of us use, yet we're all semi-frustrated with, <laughs> right? <laughs> Stephen laughs, so I'm glad he agrees with us, right? There's so many things we want for BBM as a messaging platform. You know, we want it to be expansive. We want BBM money. You know, we were promised, quote unquote. There was a press release from BlackBerry 2013 that voice and video were coming for iOS and Android later this year. It never happened. These are still things and expectations that kind of the user base, the consumers that BlackBerry generated with the transition to BlackBerry 10, are still waiting for. We're looking for that core company experience from BBM. We're still missing some of those. So I put out an article, it was an editorial, in regard to four chat wallpapers that none of us have access to except users in Indonesia and I found it very interesting because it parallels that story with kind of how the BlackBerry experience is across all devices in terms of BBM so if you go to Windows on BBM you have a fully native experience whereas you go to Android you have this kind of like patchwork experience it's a little bit of BB10 a little bit of Android iOS just recently got its redesign and then not all the different aspects of BBM are across all the different versions all the different platforms so on Windows, it's missing some features that it has on Android and iOS. So it's all very mix and match right now, and I wish it had a little bit more cohesion. In terms of the wallpapers in specific, wallpapers, I'd buy more wallpapers than I would stickers. And I've bought a lot of stickers, right? So I feel like you'd want to monetize the whole shop, not just small aspects of it. So what do you guys think about the overall cohesion? Steven, I want to start with you. What are some of the things you want for BBM? Um, what I really want for BBM is uh, the same experience on uh, on all platforms. So you talk about BBM video uh, on I on iOS, Android, and Windows Phone platform. So I think it's something a, a lot of person are waiting for, and uh, we don't know when BlackBerry will release the 
these features. Uh, what? So we are talking about some premium features. Um, I really think that I need to improve these systems because uh, I'm not really. It's not really attractive things. Uh, I didn't use a. Uh, uh, what you, uh, it was some. No ads and uh, you can personalize your pin. Um, I I think it's a good idea to monetize BBM, but uh, BlackBerry really need to to add new features like this and more attractive. They definitely need some more attraction. And, and, and maybe some of the attraction can come with a lower price as well, you know? Some of those things are pretty expensive, mm -hmm. especially to be paying them monthly. Uh, I definitely can agree with you on that. Uh, Blaze, what are some of the things that you're looking for in BBM? I know channels is one of your big ones. Yeah, I mean, obviously I want to see some improvements to channels, but we, we've beaten that horse dead. Um, right now, I'd like to see basically as Steven said, everything equal across the platforms. I, I think that would be the most beneficial start because right now it, it seems like a little bit of a broken ecosystem because you can't transition directly from iOS and Android and Windows Phone or BB10 and get the exact same experience. Now when I say the exact same experience, I'm not talking about you know the look, the visual look of it or anything like that. That's all perfectly fine if they want to you know adapt um, the platform to each specific device. That's perfectly fine. However, I want to see the same features on all the exact same platforms. That That's where it seems like it's a little bit of a broken experience for right now. Um, you can't transition to Android or iOS and have the exact same things as what you get on BlackBerry 10 through all of the stuff that is available. Um, the other thing that I would like to see and I understand why it exists and why there are some you know problems with it, but I would like to see. Uh, I guess it, it's it's pretty much the exact same thing, but the availability of stuff that is uh, available for purchase, like uh, for example, in, in Indonesia you have the wallpapers as you mentioned uh, from your editorial, but you also get stickers and stuff like that. Like why aren't these things available globally? I, and again, I understand why it's like that because some of it does come down to licensing and such. Uh, for example, the Star Trek stickers. The Star Trek stickers were available on iOS for probably at least you know four months before they actually filtered over to BlackBerry 10. And the only reason why they ended up getting over there is because I mentioned it to somebody and I'm like, why aren't these stickers available? And eventually they got synced over and BlackBerry 10 users were able to use them. But like I said, I had that on an iPhone for three or four months previously. It's those sort of little things that I want to see improved upon. If you're going to roll something out, roll it out to everybody. Give everybody the exact same experience. Give everybody the exact same options and such. And I don't, I say that, but again, I understand why it's not necessarily possible. One, the licensing restrictions and such like that. And the other side of that is that, um, you know, when when you're when you're when you look at BlackBerry 10, 
it's BlackBerry that is making those changes on the BlackBerry 10 platform. So they can add whatever they want to the BlackBerry 10 platform. However, when you move to Android or iOS, you know, they don't have the exact same options available to them because Apple places their own restrictions on what apps can and can't do. Same with Google. Google places their own restrictions on what apps can and can't do. So I, I understand it, but that doesn't mean that I don't still want to see it. I want to see that stuff improved. If, it, if, if you can't produce that stuff in such a way that it's uniform across platforms, then maybe there's, you know, maybe there, there, it should be looked at as to whether or not that feature should actually be introduced in the first place. You know what I mean? Um, at the same time, it, I do like the fact that some of the stuff is actually only applicable to the BlackBerry 10 platform. So it's it's kind of a toss-up, you know? It, it is. It's definitely just a crazy disparity between some of the different things. Like, we have screen sharing on our video platform, but you can also get that on other platforms if you go to BBM meetings. It's just kind of like... Like almost like they kind of haphazardly kind of brought it all together in yeah, a very short period of time. It's it's broken. Like it, that's the only word that I I can come up for. It's a broken experience because not everything is exactly the same, and you have to go through different procedures in order to get to the same end result across the different platforms. So I'd like to see that essentially improved. And again, if they can't make it the same across all platforms, then maybe they shouldn't really introduce some of those new features. They definitely need to be a little bit more deliberate, so I, I agree with you on that one, Blaze. Uh, Alex, Brandon, are you guys lusting for anything in particular on BBM? I mean, we, we've talked about some of the big ones, video and obviously some refinement and making everything a little bit more cohesive, but are there any like features that you guys are actually really looking for? I'd like, I know there's other messaging platforms that are already initiated this, but I'd love the, the ability to be able to type in one language and it hit someone else's device in their own native language so that I can you know, cross-talk, uh, I can talk to someone in Chinese, yet, you know, speak to them in English, kind of, and I think with the adaptive keyboard and how it already works with multiple languages, there's a lot of potential there, but again, you'd have to build that kind of processing engine to be able to do those kinds of translations on the fly. Uh, something I'm interested in, what about you guys? Are you guys interested in anything particular? I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of a weird answer because I'm just interested in them figuring out on Android, iOS, and Windows Phone, so I can actually use it more. Like, my the fact that I'm even stuck in an SMS group message right now is so frustrating. They don't want to remove me from it. And it's like, if it was just a BBM group, I could individually mute that BBM group, and I'd be great. But the fact that none of my friends want to use BBM, they would rather, some of them have iPhones, some have Android, and they're just doing a group SMS group chat. We shouldn't be using freaking SMS in this day and age. So get your act together on the other platforms, and that's what I want done. And then obviously the channels for me, I feel like it could be a great thing, and my channel is growing somewhat uh, decently, and I really wish I could utilize it more instead of posting on Twitter and all these other social networks. Channels really is a great thing, but you know, just that's been beaten like a be beating a dead horse with that whole subject too. You're beating a dead horse with a dead horse at that point. Right? Yeah, exactly. What, what about you, Brandon? What do you What do you desire for BBM in terms of growth? Uh, I agree with Stephen. I mean, the big question mark about the the video chatting, it seems kind of, you know, BlackBerry has it, BlackBerry to BlackBerry, and uh, BlackBerry came out with BBM meetings, and it's like, well, what's going to go on? What's going on with 
cross-platform individual chats. Is that ever going to come, or is it going to be just an add-on to BBM meetings um, for cross-platform chat? And I think that, that that needs to really be addressed, especially since before meetings and everything came out, um, they were talking about bringing video chat cross-platform, and it's kind of like that was swept under the bed or swept under the rug, so to speak, right now. <laughs> under the bed. I think uh, the meetings was them basically saying that they couldn't do it on BBM. So this is an alternative solution because when you think about it, BBM meetings isn't even necessarily powered specifically by anything from BlackBerry. They use a third-party service for it. And the app, yeah. even the third-party service that they use is available on BlackBerry World. So realistically, there's nothing specific about BBM meetings that is, you know, uh, platform specific for BlackBerry itself. You can download exactly. you can download the Zoom app on iOS. You can download it on Android and you can download it on BlackBerry 10 or you can download BBM meetings for Android, BlackBerry 10 and iOS. You know, it, it's it's still all the same thing. The only thing different about it is the pricing structure. There's nothing nothing different in, in terms of the apps or anything like that. Like, yeah. the Zoom app itself is available on both platforms. They just took the Zoom app and... and put a BBM icon on it. Yeah. <laughs> be that as it may, there's still some cohesion that needs to be worked out because you've got users on BlackBerry 10 who have video chat between users on BlackBerry 10. And, you know, it's not like they don't want to speak to people on Android and iOS. And, I mean, if it's stuff, little things like that, like you were talking about, native experience on Windows Phone, native experience on on iPhones and then Android people are left with some you know horrible mixture of a whole bunch of different things and it runs slow based on what I think you, I think you just I think you just define the Android <laughs> exactly so I mean it's just a bunch of cohesion that needs to be worked out I want to see more of a smoother experience cross platform for all the features and I and, and I do realize that some features have to be platform specific just because that's how they work but I do think there is room for that. The, the last thing I will say is I would like um, the ability to change or add administrators to channels on your mobile device instead of having to go to a web portal. Yeah, that's definitely something we need, even if it's through a web portal, but it needs to be seamless, you know? I need to be able to go in there, not have to switch to desktop mode or anything crazy to get the full experience. I, I was always interested in the little GIF maker that they have on channels on, for the desktop where you can create like a little looping uh, you know, GIF image, why is that not in the app? Yeah. Or, or, you know, why don't I have that ability within the BBM application as well? Uh, definitely a lot of things that we're kind of interested in for BBM. Again, wish it was just a little bit more cohesive and experience, as Stephen had mentioned, for all users, you know, no matter where they are. So Stephen, uh, bring us, let's bridge us into the latter end of this, uh, this cast. Let's talk about the Secu tablet. A little bit, and it's a very kind of crazy partnership. What are some of the companies that are collaborating on this? Mm -hmm. uh, so on the Secure Tablet, we have uh, eBay working with uh, uh, with Secure Smart and Samsung to build a Secure Tablet. I really think it's something. Yeah, there is two vision. First, people would would have seen a BlackBerry tablet using uh, Secure Smart technology. And in the other side, Secure Smart will take the benefit of uh, Samsung fame on the tablet market. So, what do you think of this partnership between Secure Smart, IBM, 
and uh, Samsung. My, my personal opinion on it is that BlackBerry jumped on SecuSmart, right? Like SecuSmart has been looking to expand and grow, and they've been building, I believe, right off of the needs of the German government. So the German government says, we need secure communication. SecuSmart says, here, put this chip in your phone. And now that same kind of desire, I feel, is expanding to different types of hardware. And right now there is no high-end you know, tablet of a big form factor for which they can deliver to those corporate users in the government. So I think they want, they're using, I believe they're already using IBM for their MDM platform. So it just makes sense when working with this specific customer, the German government, that they can work now with Samsung, which is some hardware that they're interested in. They've got the MDM support behind for the secure app wrapper. And then BlackBerry able to even bring in their services with their, through their subsidiary. So I really believe a lot of these things in terms of SecuSmart and these other platforms had already been in the mix. And BlackBerry wanted to take them in to accelerate that growth and put their name along with what SecuSmart is doing. Those are expensive chips. I mean, people think like it's, you know, BlackBerry doesn't really have a lot to do with this tablet, but ultimately they make the tablet, right? Because you can put a Samsung tablet onto I, uh, IBM's MDM, but it's not as secure as it would be unless BlackBerry had their hand in it through SecuSmart. So I, I think it, at least that they're working to definitely fill their customers' needs, and I think it is literally direct to these governments that are wanting that type of experience and have it to be in a secure manner. What about you, Blaze? What do you what do you think in terms of the Secu tablet? Is this a playbook too? <laughs> no, it's not a playbook too. Well, maybe in terms of like who adopts it, it might be. But other than that, it's not a playbook too. Like you said, the majority of that relationship, I do believe, uh, was you know formed essentially before the BlackBerry acquisition even went through. So. SecuSmart was already working with Samsung and IBM to be able to go ahead and provide this as a solution. So you have the SecuSmart chip, you have Samsung Knox on board, and you have IBM who is doing the app wrapping, and it just so happens that BlackBerry owns SecuSmart now. So, of course, they get their name attached to it. So, you know, the the headlines that proclaim BlackBerry has released a new tablet aren't necessarily... You know, 100% accurate in, in the representation, but you know, it, it's a $2,300 tablet plus. You know, no way, no consumer is going out and buying this tablet. And if you're thinking that, then you're, you know, you're kind of off your rocker for even beginning to think about that process. So the playbook was overpriced when it came out. The second yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not going out, and, and you know, no BlackBerry fan is going out and buying a Secu tablet just because they want to go ahead and support BlackBerry. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Twenty three hundred dollars, <laughs> but who knows? I mean, it it could be big in the, in the enterprise, and you know. It, when I wrote up the post about it, that's what I said. You know, there, there, there's, there. This is why uh, tablets were obviously on John Chen's mind because, you know, at that point in time, they would have been planning the press release for it, so they knew about it and they knew that it was coming. And I don't know. It seems like there, there are, there is room for an enterprise-based tablet, and maybe, maybe SecuSmart, Samsung, and IBM and BlackBerry are onto something here. Because um, as I as I wrote previously with with you know whether or not BlackBerry should be even thinking about a tablet, um, there's plenty of other people out there willing to fill that void in the enterprise space for a tablet. 
Uh, the same folks who created the Black Phone are reportedly working on their own secure tablet for Enterprise. They, they've essentially pivoted their whole marketing scheme towards Enterprise now. So not only do they have the Black Phone that they're working on, the Silent Circle people, um, they have a tablet that's going to be based on Enterprise solutions, and they're uh, they're presenting that. So who knows? Maybe maybe IBM, Samsung, and BlackBerry and Sector Smart are all ahead of the game now because that tablet that that uh, BlackPhone is supposedly working on it's still just like a beta thing at this point. They they don't have anything to present. Maybe maybe the Secu tablet is uh, ready to go to market right now. So. I just I just find it very interesting that what makes this tablet, you know, ex, ex, extraordinary is BlackBerry's contribution through SecuSmart, yeah. that added hardware layer. And I just find it very interesting as well that BlackBerry is not only supplanting software onto their competitors' hardware, but they're literally also supplanting hardware onto their competitors' hardware through the use of this chip. So I wonder again when we're talking about the sublimation of hardware across different competitors and different OEMs, is this also what we're seeing in terms of the slider, where now Samsung is giving hardware to BlackBerry to use on their hardware? It's kind of the same kind of trade-off, right? So I, I wonder, in the terms of that agreement, with their focus on enterprise, is it more of a licensing thing, or are they actually kind of trading more equally than what we know? It'd just be interesting to see like, the depth of that relationship. The slider, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was talking. To, I was talking about them last night with a friend of mine, and you know, I honestly, this is absolutely not based on anything, but I believe that there's more to that slider than what everybody knows at this point in time. Um, when you think about Samsung and you think about their hardware division, and you think about all of their processors, like you look at the, you know, the Galaxy S6 Edge Note. And you look at that slider and, and everything. I I personally believe that there's probably more going on in that slider from Samsung than just the display technology. We all seen the picture, the blurry video, and everything else. We know that it has a dual curve edge display, which sounds absolutely crazy. Whatever, whatever you think of the display, I do believe that there's more going on with that specific device than just the display technology. I do believe there's, you know, I'm going to throw it out there, maybe, you know, if, if you think about Samsung and how they've been operating lately, they want to get ahead with Qualcomm. They want to basically, you know, they want to be Qualcomm at this point and have their processors and everything. So at that point, you, you have to start thinking about the Samsung Exynos chips you have to think about Knox, you have to think about Bez, you have to think about all of that stuff. And what if, what if, instead of BlackBerry working on the BlackBerry 10 OS themselves, because we know that it runs on Qualcomm now, what if they're working with Samsung to be able to go ahead and make BlackBerry 10 run on the Exynos chips? And the only reason why that you've never necessarily heard about it as of yet is because BlackBerry isn't doing it themselves. They've handed that solution off to Samsung. What if it's not being done BlackBerry in-house? What if they've handed it off to Samsung to be able to go ahead and develop it, and they're working with Samsung? Remember, they slid the playbook out 
pretty quietly. So they're very, very capable of, of you know, getting hardware and essentially a new OS out there um, without anybody noticing. And especially if they moved it into Samsung's house, they had that sort of agreement. Then it's a possibility. Like, you know, I think, like I said, there's probably more going on with that slider device than just the display technology. I think, anyways, it could be a conspiracy theory. It could be wrong. I don't know, but that's just what I'm thinking. There's there's a lot more going on than just that. It would it would make a lot of sense, honestly, for that that kind of strategy to take place. Because they've already got a reference platform with the S6, right? They have that hardware. And even when we saw the you know the Z10 come out, it was basically an S3, right? In terms of what you know, its internals. So if they were to, you know, build a Blackberry Edge or something of that nature, right? Where it, you know, it's basically a Blackberry branded Samsung device through and through with their own custom with their own custom OS, I think it could be pretty powerful. Thanks for not muting yourself on that, Alex. <laughs> I thought I did. I clicked mute so quick. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Brandon? Remember, just one last thing. Um, if you remember back, like, uh, going through the operating systems, like the early days, uh, 10.1, 10.2, 10.3, all of that stuff, there was rumors and speculation about an Exynos device being tested at some point in time. I forget the actual name of it, but it's, it, it's out there. Um, they yeah they basically you know from from the files that were pulled out of the OS at, at some point in time it was rumored that they had an Exynos processor running on at least one of those devices and who knows what they have in the lab so you know they probably have everything <laughs> probably got a little bit of everything over there <laughs> it seems uh, like BlackBerry and and Samsung are very uh, complementary. Samsung with the hardware and uh, BlackBerry with the security and the software. Yeah, I view this more as like a, I view this partnership more as a marketing uh, technique. Um, you've got BlackBerry, which is the popular kid on campus now, who's got that household name for security. And as we see, Apple's made a partnership with IBM, which is an also you know fairly well known firm and then you've got Samsung who's really trying to break into that security market and then they're trying to leverage Blackberry's good name and security as a way to kind of edge their way in and vice versa as you said Blaze uh, we might see some hardware um, synergies through that aspect but I, I do think this is primarily more of a more of a, a, a play because of Blackberry's cachet in, in security inter instead of you know really trying to shift over resources from BlackBerry over onto Samsung. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, there, a lot of people are kind of saying that maybe Samsung, well, Samsung's trying to get off of Android, so they're going to want to go on to BlackBerry 10. But, you know, you can't take a company who is leading in the Android market and just go switch them off into BlackBerry 10, because that would probably be the end of Samsung if you just did that. Um, yeah. And the ironic part is is BlackBerry 10 is trying to become more like Android. So if, if it might eventually make this make sense for uh, Samsung to make the switch, but that's only if BlackBerry 10 is literally like full Android, but it has the security of BlackBerry underneath it. And realistically, that move is just a weird... It really wouldn't be much different then, anyway. Um, but for people thinking that Samsung's going to jump into bed with BlackBerry in that sense, I don't think it's really going to happen anytime soon, maybe in the future, but there's definitely a lot more to this partnership than they at least made it sound initially, I guess. Um, yeah, I, and we're seeing more every day. I just, I just keep thinking that BlackBerry can't 
can't keep on producing BlackBerry 10 devices without some sort of yeah. differentiator in between them. Like, you know, if you put BlackBerry 10 in a different device, you know, you go from Z30, Leap, Passport, and whatever, it's still all the same at the core. It's still BlackBerry 10 at the core. There, there needs to be a differentiator, and I think if they're working with Samsung, that would be one of those differentiators that would possibly help them in the long term. So, it, you know, what, what's, what's, what's a good differentiator than basically taking a Samsung processor and putting it in there? That's something that's different from, you know, everything else that has been out there so far. So... But then it brings oh, up the question, why did they even make a partnership with Foxconn then if, if you know... They probably weren't expecting... They probably weren't expecting... Expect because they signed a five-year deal with Foxconn, and I mean, if they're trying to get into bed with Samsung now, I mean, that kind of makes that that partnership... I, I, I just I don't see what the point of having that partnership anymore, I think if you I think you if know? you can play some of your partners against each other... It allows for more competition and better results for you at the end of the day. I yeah, want to I want to circle back yeah. on the Samsung thing, and I know Alex does too. When we're when we look at BlackBerry, when we look at like 2013, when the transition that they went under, a lot of talent from BlackBerry got up and went to Samsung. A lot. I'm talking BlackBerry's chief information officer is now <laughs> the chief enterprise innovation officer at Samsung. When at C at not not at CES um at a Mobile World Congress, who did they bring on stage? A guy who worked at BlackBerry for nine years on behalf of Samsung. <laughs> there is a lot of synergies that can be had here between these companies in terms of their shared vision for not only the Internet of Things but for enterprise as well. So, Alex, what did you want to toss in? Yeah, no, it, it's just that I think I, I'm hearing some echo. I don't know what's going on, but um, I think that. Essentially, having Foxconn, they might use them for some of the, some of the maybe cheaper end devices. They might have still a spot for them regardless, um, but there's definitely a spot for Samsung, whether it's just the higher quality BlackBerry devices, if that's what they do end up going with, or whatever it ends up being. So it might not be directly like Samsung would want to create the exact same phones that Foxconn would be creating with that kind of thing. They might have a spot for both of them. Samsung might only want, you know. It's just, test the waters too. There might just be one phone device, and it might be the slider that they're testing the partnership. But they really needed some type of partnership back then to get the hardware out of their hands because they were really screwing themselves over by having all the hardware internally. So the Foxconn deal made sense for when what happened, and there might be a reason that it's only a five-year partnership. Maybe they could have made a ten-year partnership or something crazy, and maybe five-year was the minimum they were able to have with that company. So five five so years which Chen signed on for. So yeah. <laughs> throughout there. It, it also makes sense in terms of like trying to hit those emerging markets to have the manufacturing being done in those markets as yeah. well. So I know that there are some Taiwanese manufacturers that they have as well there. But with the Foxconn partnership, if they can leverage it specifically for all touch type low end devices and then focus with Samsung maybe on the part side as you mentioned for the higher end. And they can create a good duality there and be able to service their customers while maintaining low inventory risks overall. I'm also Definitely th some interesting stuff. I'm also thinking of this maybe, maybe I don't know, does Samsung, do they build everything in-house or do they maybe outsource some of their hardware out to, to other companies to, to manufacture as well? Because if that's the case, I mean, then you could theoretically have Foxconn building you know, Samsung devices with BlackBerry 10 on them or, or you know, BlackBerry devices with Samsung uh, parts on them, I guess. 
But made in Canada. <laughs> Designed in Canada. Designed in Canada, built in Taiwan, manufactured by Chinese. <laughs> a little bit, a little eclectic mix of everything to finally make these BB10 devices. I think Alex just—that's what Alex wants at the end of the day. All he wants is for BB10 devices to keep getting made in one form <laughs> or another. Yeah. It's just as, as as I look at things like the BlackBerry Experience Suite and I look at kind of the overall strategy that BlackBerry is taking forward. I, I'm not sure how – I'm not sure what role BlackBerry 10 is going to play in all of it. I really don't because it seems that they're taking a lot of those core services over to other platforms anyway. Yeah. You don't think it devalues kind of what they're going for in terms of their hardware business? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess it, it kind of does. It's 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 a difficult thing that we'll kind of see over time. Um, I don't know. Because if, if if what Blaze is, is is alluding to happens and they do take on a different chipset and they're able to securely boot on that chipset, it, it really it looks at it, you take the Qualcomm deal right now and now you're you're wondering about what they're going to do with these different devices. Are they going to have some device lines that are one sock and some device lines that are another? It's just I wonder where they're going to overall take that strategy because then they're going to take their core native software and put it onto these other platforms, platforms that they've built an OS to be and run securely on. So are they going to utilize that for Android or are they going to kind of bring in some more BlackBerry experiences? It's definitely going to be a hodgepodge. I know if Jeremy was here, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's all doomsday about uh, yeah. you know BlackBerry falling to the rise of Android on BlackBerry devices. So I, I'm... I'm Looking forward to it. Steven, would you give up BB10 for an Android device that can run securely? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe because uh, well, I can install the Play Store on my phone, but you know, thousands of apps are, are not on the BlackBerry world, so maybe if uh, Android device for large public uh, Use the same security and the same productivity tools uh, like as BlackBerry. I can, I can make the switch, but I need my physical keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, at the end of the day, what what I see is I tried to use my buddy's iPhone recently. Just I had to, you know, whether he was driving and I had to like text someone for him and whatever was going on and. Just the fact of the paradigm, how you have to click the button to minimize the app and then tap it twice to see the apps and then swipe up to remove them, I just felt so slow. And I don't care how quick my muscle memory was, the fact that you have to be clicking this physical button to do all this stuff, and I don't think I would ever be able to go to Android or iOS simply because the gestures, I just, I'm too in love with that and not having buttons or you know physical things I need to tap. So if... If BlackBerry brought Android over enough where I can still have the workflow of the gestures, then, you know, fine, I'll take an Android system like that. But if you just said secure Android, you know, it's still kind of iffy because it's really the gestures is what I'm in love with, the hub and, you know, these things. So if they could do this properly, then I'd move over. What if BlackBerry built a proper Android QWERTY device? Because apparently nobody in the Android world wants to do that. So And they've all... Every every party device that has ever been built for Android has been basically considered subpar or has been underpowered or under spec, whatever the case may be. Nobody has gone out and built a good QWERTY Android device. 
but BlackBerry was able to go ahead and do that and still make it feel like a BlackBerry 10 device. I think, honestly, if there was an Android device that brought some of the best things about BlackBerry 10 to the fold there, and, you know, and BlackBerry 10 wasn't an option, you would see people that that would be fine with that shift. There's going to be always those hardcore people who, who just don't like Android or, or iOS, and they really like BlackBerry 10. But I think for the majority of people, um, if they brought over the hub and some of those other key uh, key aspects of BlackBerry 10 that they could experience on their Android device or, or iOS device, um, I think a lot of people would be content with that. And I think really what, may, what, what, what really defines a BlackBerry 10 or BlackBerry device for me is just that the functionality aspect of the device and the OS. And it, it's really, I like it because I can't get that functionality anywhere else. If that functionality was provided on other platforms, I would be using those platforms. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if that functionality is there, I'll use it and, and I'll be fine. But as it stands, BlackBerry 10 has all that functionality. And it's just a matter of them maybe being able to translate that over to to other operating systems if they were to go down that, that path. Yeah. There are th there are reasons that we're we're on BlackBerry 10 devices. We're not on BlackBerry 10 devices because we're, we're we love the company and we're trying to be like save the company, use them. <laughs> it's because the workflow and the hub and the gestures like it's no other you know software is doing it like that. And I feel it's so weird that people just tear like the apps up and say there are no apps and how the heck could you be on a platform without apps? Because there's more to a phone than just apps. And just the integrated apps that you know BlackBerry has in the phone—it's just so much more that you know, it's just—it's just a tough thing. Once if we just get Android integrated a little bit more, and if, if apps weren't that problem, I think a lot more people would go to BlackBerry because yeah. Android really—it's just not that great of an experience compared to BlackBerry 10. Just the, right. the flow. And I've mentioned this before um, earlier in like one of our earliest podcasts is that if you look at game consoles, there's a whole bunch of games that are ported to game consoles and, and they're actually built for like a PC or something else but they run just fine on a yep. game console and I mean if we could see that with Android apps uh, on BlackBerry 10 that that would suffice I think for a lot of people uh, it's such a tricky road Android devices BlackBerry devices BlackBerry 10 Android ah. Definitely going to be an interesting road ahead for them because they really are betting on security at the end of the day. That is their their stake as they move forward. So it's Which, going to be it's going to come down to what's more lucrative, right? That's their focus. They want to make money. But security is such a good spot that like I don't think people even realize how good of a spot that is because the the in ten years from now when technology is ingrained into our lives, when you have when people start implementing freaking like chips into their eyeballs or their brain or whatever. Wouldn't you be worried about getting hacked and someone freaking controlling your brain? Like security at the end of the day, like not wow. even kidding. Like when you start, when they become a part of us, when they're in our car, you know, integrated with our house, you walk in the door, allow me to just, it senses the chip in my arm so I could unlock the door. People hacking that is a really scary thing the closer we get with technology. Um, so security at the end of the day is so unbelievably important, You're but right. not until we realize, you know, what's going on with all of this. I can't wait till the Apple launches the eye. It's just going to be a totally digital <laughs> eye. It talks to Siri. Imagine if you had a blue screen of death on your eyeball. I mean, <laughs> that'd be awful. Hopefully we don't get there. 
Microsoft doesn't need to be an embedded. Uh, I hope the free patch will be ready for my eye. My integrated <laughs> eye chip. <laughs> you have a fake eye and then a virtual reality eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some interesting stuff moving ahead. The Secu tablet, I think, is a very interesting off the Samsung Galaxy tablet. I think I have one of those actually. I never use it for anything but blend, but I do have one. <laughs> now I just got to go buy a $2,500 chip, toss it in there, see how it works. And I think we've covered all the topics that we needed to cover this week, guys. I really appreciate having you guys on as always. Alex, Brandon, Chris, and as well, Steven, it was great having you out for yeah. one of our upstream sessions. We definitely should make it a little bit more regular. Maybe we can work on some days and move the time up. So <laughs> you're, you're not so going to keep my accent. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. it would be, be a good experience for you. <laughs> yes, very fascinating. Pleasure to meet you, Steven. Yeah. Yep. We'll put a we we'll put some links on the Barry Flow site, so definitely check out his website. I really really like their content. I've translated some of the site over just so I could read the articles. So I have it set up in a little toggle. Press the button and it goes straight through Google, so I can read them in English. Definitely <laughs> lots of real cool stuff, and I love some of the images you guys take uh, for your site and for your social media. So definitely keep it up. Love the content that you guys are putting out. Thank you. <laughs> really enjoy Barry Flow Crackberry websites. Also, <laughs> Crackberry is my favorite. I'm telling you, <laughs> dude. I have to tell you about this. Great. I have to tell you about this post. So there's this one guy. I won't mention any names or anything like that. There's this one guy who always asks for help, and apparently, he ended up going in and he asked for help um, the other night. And he he made his post and he asked a question in his post, and then in his post, his actual post, he just put the word feather. And I'm like, what? That was his pose. He just, I'm like, I don't understand. Well, why? Why feather? Like, and he was expecting a reply, like for somebody to go ahead and help him. And I'm just like looking at it. I'm like, why feather? feather? So, so like his stand. So, like the, like the the thread title was the question, and then the actual content was feather. Yeah, like because it doesn't allow you to have no content, so he just decided to type in feather. I'm like, really? <laughs> question mark right behind the feather? He's like feather. feather. <laughs> I'm gonna go answer his question now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, have a great rest of your evening. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk a little bit about some more impending news. I think we're gonna hear a little bit more from Secu Smart this coming week, so we'll stay tuned for that. Yep. Take care, guys. Right. Cheers. Take care. Good night.